Father God, this morning we ask your presence here, Lord God, in a very powerful way because we want to gather in your name. We want to hear your word. We want to know how you're feeling about us and what you have to say about our lives. We want to pray for Syria and the devastating experiences of uh, the, the folks there, people made by you in your image of God and the children and the women, older people. We as a church want to stop and we want to spend some time and pray, pray for them. Father God, we want to pray for those who are having board exams in our community, Lord God, and preparing for their 10th and 12th boards. And as they begin tomorrow, Lord God, we want to commit them to you in prayer today. It's a special service of learning from you, worshiping you, and sub, uh, placing our supplications before you. There are also the summer here who are here for the first time. They've come to our service, they've come to our family for the first time. It is my request and I urge you, Lord Jesus, that the Spirit of God would embrace them and that they would feel welcome in this place. That they would experience shalom, the peace of God. That they would know that they are in the presence of the one who loves them and the one who can protect them not only from harm and danger, but from eternal damnation. He is the one who has called us gently, tenderly, out of darkness into his glorious light. And if there are people here this morning who are here for the first time and don't know anybody around them, give them that sense of family so that they realize they've come back home and they've actually been part of the family forever, but they've just come back today. For those who are visiting, let it be a meaningful time. For those who are here for the first time, let it be a special time. For the rest of us, Lord, keep us faithful. Keep us focused. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Are you ready for God's word? Yeah, beautiful. Lovely to be in God's presence. And uh, this morning I'm particularly excited because of things that we want to uh, we want to focus on. We definitely want to spend some time in prayer for Syria. We're going to do that towards the end. We want to spend some time in prayer for our board uh, members, uh, board not board members, our, um, for the parents of those sitting for the board exams. We want to pray for peace and for for health. <laughs> and we also want to pray for our young people doing uh, their exams. Everyone actually, but particularly those who are. And today we launch in Dwarka as well, in a home. And uh, Covenant Life is now in Dwarka. And I don't know the address, it's very long. I can cut paste it to you and send it over to you. But we are giving it and sending it out only to people who are really interested in coming. So we did not, did not put it on Facebook, did not put it on public media, uh, social media. So if people get in touch and they say we want to come, then we give the thing. And you are welcome to go there. It is in the house of uh, Jason Robertson. His parents uh, are, are hosting it. It's in a, so it's in a home. They're going to do their own worship and communion and everything. And then they're going to join us live uh, for the message. So right now they are live and hello everyone in Dwarka. Um, the worship will be English, so it kind of, it's broader and anyone is welcome there. But particularly, we are looking for people who have never known Jesus before and have come into faith in Jesus and we can grow them and disciple them. We're not looking for people who are coming from a traditional background who come in and tell us how church needs to be done. We're not looking for those people. But if they come, they are welcome to sit at the back. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? No, oh, I'm not talking. No, All right, we're in a three-part series called Passion Renewals because of the 40-day thing. And we're working our way up to uh, Good Friday and Easter. Good Friday is going to be right here. It's going to be a 45-50 minute service. Very short. You come late, you'll miss it. Okay, and, uh, and it's going to be a communion service, a rich time of just worship, and then go straight into communion. No message, and that's what we're going to just focus. We're not, it's not going to be remorseful and you know, depressing. It's going, to be, it's going to be joyful because the death of Jesus Christ is the greatest death ever. It's the only great death. And, uh, and he rose again, so that kind of finishes that, uh, any sadness there. And today he lives to intercede for us. So we are going to celebrate his death as he is asked to do. And then we've got Easter, which is going to be in NCUI Auditorium. And we're looking to fill that place out and bring all our friends, loved ones, and relatives, and everybody. 
So that's that. I do want to remind us that camp is coming, so make sure that you uh, put away money for camp. Every month, put some money away for camp uh, so that you can join us, okay? So if you have people that are in Dwarka, that are in Bangalore, that are in Agra, that are in Masuri, that would like to be part of our house fellowship turned into a local fellowship turned into congregation, uh, please let us know so that we can get them involved because the core group is very, very important. Let's look into God's Word. So we started a three-part series. Number one was let's renew our giving. Let's renew our giving. Uh, we talked about this last week and God put it on your hearts and I saw immediate. And that's what I love about you. I love about our congregation. I love the fact that, you know, the moment you hear God's word, you respond. And that means that you are right with God. It means that you are sensitive to God's spirit. And I just love that. It's, it's even fun preaching to a congregation that's serious about, you know, the word of God. Uh, it's, it's just great. Today we're looking at the renewal of our passion to grow. Renewing our passion for growth. Why should we keep growing? Why should we keep growing? We at Covenant Life must grow larger and smaller at the same time. We must grow larger and we must grow smaller at the same time. So that's what we believe and that's the direction we are going and I'll explain that today. So today we're asking God to renew our passion for growth. Every one of us renew our commitment to wanting to see more and more people uh, enjoy what Jesus has to offer. We want to grow deep and we want to grow wide. Look at John chapter 6 verse 35 through 40 please. John chapter 6 verses 35 through to 40. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes, should I wait for you to get it? Are you okay? John chapter 6 verses 35 through to 40 should also be on the screen. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never I like these negatives, not, never, I love them. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe me. All that the Father gives me will come to me. All the sheep, all the people, all the ones. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will, here's another negative, never cast out. I will never cast out. I will not deny. I will not turn from them. I will not turn them away. I will never cast the ones that the Father is drawing to me. Are you getting the picture? Beautiful. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And what is that will? Well, this is the will of him who sent me, that I should do what? Lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying, I'm not here on my own call. I'm here because of the Father. I'm here because of God the Father wants me to be here. What is the Father's will? The Father's will is to draw people to me. And when people, when the Father's drawing people to me, I will not cast them out. I can see them. I can see the way they dress. I can see the way they behave. I know what's going on in their life. I know how they behave with their wife and with their children or their spouse. I know what wrongs that they have done. I will not cast them out. If the Father's drawing them to me, I will. And if they look upon the Son, and if they put their faith on the Son, the Son will deliver eternal life to them. I will give them eternal life. I will never cast them out and no one can take them out of my hand. I threw that one in, it's from another passage. Are you getting where Jesus is coming from? He's here to deliver the Father's will. He's here to make sure that God's uh, agenda is complete. Whoever looks on the Son, believes in Him, shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up. On the, You see a lot of what Jesus has wanting to do, Jesus has to do more than what believers have to do here in this text. If you're looking carefully. This is not the law. This is not do this, do this, do this, do this, or don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. This is I will do this. I have done this. I will never do this. I will do this. Are you getting a picture? Jesus takes the whole onus on him to take care of the sheep. He is the husband to the bride. He takes the complete ownership to look after, to cherish, to 
to cleanse, to sanctify, to protect the bride. I will raise him up on the last day. I really want to just dive into God's heart this morning. Dive into Jesus' heart this morning. And I want you and me to kind of have a big look into what God is feeling towards people. The people of Green Park, the people of South Delhi, the people of, uh, of, of, of India, people wherever you are watching me right now. I want you to delve into the heart of God and look at what God is thinking. Firstly, He does not desire that any should perish. Do you know that? Do you understand that? Do you feel that? He does not want anyone to perish. Have all sinned? All have sinned. So God, if all have sinned, how can you not want anyone to perish? Because I have covered all sin. And if I have covered all sin, I have made propitiation, I have made arrangement for all to be saved. Therefore, it is my desire that all should be saved. So if my sin, if my blood has covered everyone, if my blood has covered every sin, there is no sin left for condemnation. Do you hear me? There is no sin left for condemnation. Nothing left for, even for us believers to point fingers at anyone. Nothing left. So there is no place in this community, in this church, wherever you're gathered, as you walk through that door for condemnation and for judgment. There is no place for that. 2 Peter 3 verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some counsel on us, but it is but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but on the contrary, that all should reach repentance. That all should come to eternal life. What does God want? He wants, he wants to see everyone in heaven. And I want that to be the heartbeat of this church. You're not listening to me. I want that to be the heartbeat of this church. What? That God wants everyone with him in heaven forever. So you walk past a vegetable guy, God wants him. You walk past a colleague in, in school or an office in the company, God wants him or her with him. God wants that person more than you want that person. The one that you're avoiding in the corridor is the one God wants in his presence forever. God has a deep relationship and a deep desire for every single one that he has paid a high price for. And we need to develop that passion for the lost. We say lost, that sounds terrible, it sounds judgmental, but we are saying that the father has lost you, his son. We're not saying you are lost. We're saying the father has lost you. And the father is taking every effort and making every effort to get you back, to win you back. So we are not judging people as being lost. We are saying that the father has lost you because of sin and has made every arrangement to get you back. And we are in the process. We have been ushered in, partnered in the process of bringing people back to him. We have come back and we are bringing people back to him. He does not desire that any should perish. Let me give you another one. God wants everyone to have a new beginning, a new birth and a new fresh start. God wants everyone to have a new beginning, a new birth, and a fresh start. Why do we like Mondays? Because we get to start again. Why do we celebrate New Year? Because we get to start again. Why do we go to sleep and the evening and the morning were the first day? And the evening, it wasn't the morning and the evening were the first day, it was the evening and the morning was the first day. God wants fresh beginnings, midway. God wants second chances and God wants our community, God wants his family to be a place where people say, you know what, when everybody pointed fingers against me, when everybody condemned me, when everybody told me that I was lost and I had no hope, here in this community, here in this family, people put their arms around me and said, there is hope, there is a second chance. And if you're going to give a second chance, you're going to treat the person like they've never done anything before. And that's the tricky part. God wants our community to be a place of second chances. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, uh, 
Renewed creation? New creation. See, that's the miracle, right? Because only God can make something new. Nobody else can make anything new. It's all remade, recycled, rehashed, renovated, refurbished. But God is the one who makes new. And if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Those who've lost their virginity, those, those who've lost their integrity, those who've lost their respect, those who've lost their reputation, those who've lost their trust in people, those who've lost their confidence in themselves. You come into Jesus, you're a new creation. Things start again. Things are born again. You are born again. It becomes a place of new beginnings. You don't restart because if you restart, you're starting the same old thing. You don't want to do that. But it's a new start because it's, a, it's the beginning of something new. And God wants us to be a community. When you say come into Jesus, Jesus is in heaven. So when you come into Jesus, you're coming into his family. You're coming into his faith. You're coming into his care. And he looks after you, and I want you to get this. He looks after you through his body. When I come to hug you, or when I come to help you up, I use my hand, I don't use my head. Okay? As funny as that is, Jesus is the head, and the church is the body. And the body follows through what the head is doing. When the body is not cooperating with the head, not giving the head what it wants, not representing or, or, or respecting the head, we call that disabled or paralytic or unstable. So for you to come into Jesus is for you to come into the body, come into the family, come into the flock, and it is my arms that, that hold you. I am the arm that holds you to show you that you are accepted by Jesus. I am the one who encourages you and walks with you. That when I say I am not the pastor, I am a member of the church. That means the whole body is involved in this process. We don't segregate this ministry to the pastor, the clergy, and to a few people in the church. This is the ministry of everybody in the church. So when a broken person walks through the, through the door, when a tired person walks through the door, when a hurtful, hurting person walks through the door, whose ministry is it to reach out to that person? Everyone. Absolutely everyone. What's the pastor's job then? To tell everybody to do that. God wants new beginnings in covenant life. God wants new birth in covenant life. God wants a fresh start. God wants covenant life to be the place. Which is why you can be here for one Sunday and never come back here because you live somewhere else hopefully. And even that one Sunday can be a life change experience. That's why every Sunday is important. That's why we give you cards. That's why we say, tell us what you think. Tell us where you're going. Can we keep in touch with you? Can I WhatsApp you? Can I Facebook you? Can we be in, in you know, you know the second country after India that watches our YouTube videos? The second highest country, Ireland. <laughs> Hello, Irish. We love you. And then there's Sudan. God is moving in ways and directions we don't know, we don't know, understand. And this is absolutely amazing how God wants to use us. That tells me God wants to use us. And the more loving and the more accepting and the more God is going to use us. Let's move on, let's move on. We're looking into the Father's heart. The answer to pain and suffering and rejection and death in this world is Jesus. Not religion. Not philosophy. Not hospitals. Not counseling. But Jesus. The person of Jesus, the body of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27, 28, and 29. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. So Jesus has been given the authority to usher into a relationship back with the Father. Anyone who chooses he chooses to read. Verse 28, come to me, 
Come to me. All have you ever put those two verses together? And today you're going to do that. Today a light is going to come on. Look at those two verses. You got verse 27, and then you got verse 28. You know verse 28 because it's on your wall. Come to me, all who are weary, labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you. Rest. We quote this verse after work every day when we come back all tired. And, and, and Jesus help me. Jesus take the wheel. And verse 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. But, but the author has not lost focus here. Verse 27 leads to verse 28. It always does. It always does. Logically and numerically, it leads to verse Look at what he says. All things have been handed over to me by my father. All authority. All work. All permissions. All authority. Okay. No one knows the son except the father. Son, father. No one knows the father except the son. No one knows the son except the father. And our relationship is really tight. And the father has handed over to the son all authority to bring people back to himself, whoever he chooses. So whoever he chooses, the father, the son chooses to reveal the father to him. So there's a sense of reconciliation with the father and reconciliation with the, through the son. Did you get it so far? But the next verse he says, all who are heavy laden and all who are care, who labor, who are weary, I will give you rest. So he's not talking about your nine hours of work. He's talking about those who are striving in their religiosity, striving in their religion, in their ceremony, in their faith, they're striving to please God, striving to get back to God, striving to be to be holy, striving to be pleasing to God. They are sacrificing, they are working hard. And we are in a country of God-fearing people, where in every religion in this country, you see a sincere desire to be right with God. We are in that country. And God the Father is saying, God, through God the Son, that he says, all who are striving in their religiosity to try and come to me, I choose for them to come to me, let them come to me. If you're weary, if you're heavy laden, if you're burdened with this guilt, if you're burdened to be right with God, come, I've got news for you. I can take you to the Father. My yoke is easy. Religion's yoke is difficult. Philosophy's yoke is difficult. Ceremonial yoke is difficult. Guilt yoke is difficult. But my yoke is light. Come, I will lead you into the word is rest. So what are you finding rest from? It's not sleep. It's rest from work for religiosity's sake. It's rest from trying to please God. As you step into Jesus, you learn how to be right with God. You learn that it's not you working for God, it's Jesus who has worked for you. And the church is a place where you constantly discover on a daily basis of what Jesus has already done for you. This is covenant life. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Let me give you one more. Jesus commanded his disciples to go and make disciples. Jesus commanded his disciples to go and make disciples. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has given them. Note how he always ties it back to who he is and his authority. On heaven and on earth, in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, go therefore and do what? I'm authorizing you to go make disciples. From where? From every nation. In this, in this hall right now, we have about six, seven nations uh, represented. Go therefore, make disciples. All nations, how? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's bringing them into the fellowship. And teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's discipleship. That's instruction. That's education in the purposes of God. So baptizing them, bring them into the, into the body of Christ. And teaching them, bring them into the character of Christ. What does God want? What is, what, what is on God's heart? God's heart is that nobody should perish. Say it with me in your mind. There is nobody, even the ones you don't like, God wants them. God wants them in his family. Number two, God wants everyone to have a new beginning, a new start. God wants this place to be a place where I can start again. God wants the pain and suffering and rejection and the death of this world to end in Jesus. That as you come to Jesus, you find in Christ rest. Rest. Take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. 
verse 29. You have come back to the bishop of your souls. You have come back to the healer, to the shepherd. And lastly, God wants us to make more disciples so that as we make disciples, disciples will make disciples. What's the difference between a follower and a disciple? A follower is just one that remains a follower and keeps following and constantly needs you. But a disciple is one who multiplies himself and makes more other followers. Got it? A disciple is one who understands the character of Jesus and brings other people to understand the character of Jesus. A disciple is one who has found rest in God, in the spirit of God, in the things of God, in the promise of God, and teaches others to have that, find that same rest. To make disciples. This is, this is God's will. This is God's will. So the church family is where Christ wants to meet these needs and make this happen. In the church family is where we make disciples. Discipleship has become a very theoretical thing. It's become a very intellectual thing. It's become about study and Bible study. It's become about, and yes, I know the word is discipline, but the word discipline actually means habits. It's habits. So you don't think of yourself as a very disciplined person, even though you brush your teeth every morning. Is it a discipline? Yes, it is. Is it a habit? Yes, it is. Do you think you're a disciplined person because of that? Hey, I brush my teeth. Why? It's a habit. Now it's part of your character. Are you getting it? So when we talk about disciples, we're not talking about fanatical people who are on an agenda and who are, you know, just rap. We're talking about people who have so seriously taken the character of Christ that it has now become second nature and is part of their life. But they are also able to teach others. They are also able to rub that off onto other people and to teach others, to make disciples. And God wants that here in this family. God wants... He's given the mandate, that mandate to the church. The worship of God and the mercy of God everywhere. He's given that mandate. Psalm 102. Okay, so what does Jesus want? Let's look at two things. What does Jesus want? Number one, Jesus wants us to become mature ourselves. He wants us to become mature. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to be internally strong. He wants our roots deep. He wants our branches wide. He wants our fruit eternal. Freedom, strength, and rest. Freedom, strength, and rest. You find it first. You grow up in it. You, you, you become strong. So we have purpose training. We have small groups. We have Bible studies. We have uh, Sunday morning. We have all sorts of ways. WhatsApp. We have so many ways in which we are trying to grow you. And you need to be committed to that. What does Jesus want? Number one, he wants you to be, become mature. Number two, he wants you to multiply yourself. Jesus wants us to multiply ourselves. So the same freedom, strength, and rest that I have found in Jesus, I yearn for others to find it. That means right now you need to be able to think of three or four or five people that you wish for and that you're praying for that they find freedom, rest, and strength. Freedom, rest, and strength. Freedom, rest, and strength. Freedom, rest, and strength. Jesus has promised this. You will deliver it. He says, my father gave it to me. I deliver it to you. Now he's saying to you, I'm giving you authority. Go. Give them freedom, rest, and strength. So a disciple making disciple, a multiplier, someone who's mature, will bring others into the same freedom, rest, and strength. If you are not in the process, if you are not in the business of bringing others into the freedom, rest, and strength, then you are not mature. Then chances are that you yourself have not found freedom, rest, and strength. If you are not found with freedom, rest, and strength, you haven't found that. Chances are that you are stressed, that you are heavy laden, and that you are burdened. And if that's the case, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. So here's the covenant life growth mandate. Here's the covenant life growth mandate. Mandate. This is what we want to do in order to bring about what God wants. Are you ready? Number one. The covenant life growth mandate. Number one. A climate of acceptance of new people into God's family. A climate of acceptance of new people into God's family. There are two, two ways uh, children come into the family. Number one. Through the natural process of having a baby. This is often enjoyable. Often. It is often enjoyable and it is easy to love your own baby. You know where I'm going with this? <laughs> it's easy to love your own baby. All oh, the photographs 
and you keep the first hair and the footprints and you watch and you really invest in the growth of the child and you see yourself in that child we call that denominations <laughs> I should stop saying this stuff about that. anyway you have your own baby and you and that's not normal you just have a baby but there's another way of bringing children into the family it's called adoption and when you adopt a child, oftentimes it is a charitable work, it is a compassionate act, and oftentimes the child is abused, misused, has not had a healthy upbringing, has not had a healthy birth, has defects, has broken. You know where I'm going with this? When you adopt children into the family, that child comes with problems that were not part of your system. And you have to adopt these problems and this brokenness and this history of illness and all of those uncertainties along with the new child that comes into the family. And that, my friend, is what God has done with you. He says you have been adopted into his family. So how should an adopted child be treated equal to the baby in your own family? How should the adopted child, with greater compassion, and greater love. How should the adopted child be treated? Without reference to its past, with greater reference to its future. There needs to be more affirmation that you are mine, that you are mine, you are mine. And you'll find mothers doing this where they say, uh, baby, you, you were not, you didn't come from mommy's tummy, but you came from mommy's heart. That kind of stuff. <laughs> I actually just made that up. But <laughs> But you make that effort in order to affirm the child, so the child grows up until some stupid uncle comes along and says, you didn't know you were adopted. <laughs> you look like a complete different continent and you anyway. Are you getting the picture here? It's easy to love your own. It's harder to love others. And the church has been called to love those who are the others. Others. Xenophobia is the biggest problem in the church, the fear of others. That's why there's denominations. That's why there's linguistic groupings and homogeneous unit principles where you, where you just gather everybody who's like you. But Jesus wants a community of people who are so mixed up that they reflect the heart of God for people. Can covenant life be number one? A climate of acceptance of new people into God's family. Mess ups, brokenness, personality quirks. Everyone's going to come with their weird personalities. And you know, I'm still figuring it out. I've been in ministry 25, 30 years, and I'm still figuring out how people and why people respond the way they do. You know, and my personality is often scary to other personalities. I'm like, hi, come here. And, they're like, yeah. and most people, especially in current life, are quieter. They are, they're more introvert. They, want, they, they take time to build trust. And I'm learning that. I'm actually learning that. That 99% of people are actually like that. Okay, let's bag it off to 95%. 95% actually like that. They want their space. They want slow time. They want to build trust. And we got to do that. Faith breakdowns, where you've walked away from Jesus, where you've uh, where you have lost your confidence in yourself or in Christ, and you've been away in your car. How do we treat them? How do we treat them? Like as if you are not capable of that? All of us are capable of running away. And that's why the story of the prodigal son, it wasn't for the prodigal son, it was for the Pharisees. It's actually should be renamed, renamed the story of the older brother, the prodigal brother. And Jesus was looking at the Pharisees and talking to the Jews and saying the older brother could not rejoice that the younger brother had come back. How, are you, how do you and I feel when we rejoice over people who have been away from the Lord, when those of us who have been in church all our life and been so good and never touched weed? <laughs> a climate of acceptance. Number two, a, climate, a culture of bringing. A culture of bringing people. I think that's already there, but I don't think everybody really buys into it. And I think we all need to buy in. Bring people with us. 
bring people with us, bring people to the community, bring, like you would bring them home, like you would bring them to your family, you want them to meet your family, bring them, unless of course you're embarrassed of your family, you, you have a culture of bringing people, bring people to the worship service, invite people to your own home, meals, prayer, support, constantly reaching out to people, say, who are you going to plan, who are you planning to bring to church next Sunday? Next three, four Sundays, who are you planning? Are you are you jotting down people? I'll take you, I'm gonna call them and take them. I need to call them, I need to remind them, I need to take them, bring them to church. Constantly fill the second seat next to you, seats next to you with people from your world, from your because they, they need to hear this. They need to hear that there is hope, that is second chance, that is love, there is a yoke that's lighter than the one they're carrying. Are you with me? Are you with me? Jesus wants them. God the Father wants them. Do you want them here? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We want them here with their brokenness and all. A culture of bringing people. Number three, a commitment to soul care. A commitment to soul care of people within our influence through prayer, through care ministry, through concerns. As soon as people come, when God brings people, their newness will bring with them new problems. Are you with me? So it doesn't mean that just because they got a financial problem as soon as they come to church, that they're always going to have a financial problem. So we are scared. They're like, oh, these fellows, these like this, so then forever they'll be like this. If they're gonna, they, they need to get some stuff off their chest and they just want to unload some of the problems they've been going through. It doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. But as soon as an adopted child is brought in, there are some things that need to be immediately addressed. We need counseling, we need care, we need love, we need affirmation. But that's not going to last forever. Are, we, are there people here that are willing? Pastor, I, I can do that. I can just give me someone new. I can walk them through the first two weeks. And we can train you to do that. We can train you to walk them through the first two, three weeks and get over it, get out of it, get beyond it. A commitment to soul care. Number four, a comfortable transition into our church family. A comfortable transition. Introductions, welcomes, have a seat, bring the new people forward so that there's an immediate connection. Give them the best seats in the house. Don't let them, they're going to come late, they're going to be looking for the new place, you know what I'm saying? So they have to come and now all the, the ones who've been coming here for 400 years are all seated, they're all comfortable and those guys are finding their way through and through feeling very odd that they've come late. They don't even know when the service started. You know, all those kind of, you don't, you don't have that in your home. In your home, you know, guests just come, guests just come. And you chase your children back into the room, you make arrangements, you give the best couches in the house to, they, I think, at least we do it now, so I don't know about yours. But, you do that. So what about church? When you think family, that's how you think. This is this will come naturally. You don't need a set of rules. But when you think church, we are going to church. Every Sunday we go to church. We get up and we go to church. That's what we do on Sundays. Unless we're dying or whatever. And then we go we sit in church. And then we stand in church. And we sit in church. And then we leave. If that's your mentality and you don't get that church as a family and family means children running around, uncle is going nuts, you know, people are having problems, somebody's hungry, somebody needs attention, family is family. Even Sunday morning should reflect a little bit of that family at least before and after the service. Got it? Got it? Who's going to do that? Whose job is it? Answer, everyone. Everyone can jump in. We are not a church where everybody is like, you're avoiding everybody, look down, look down, maybe they won't. And then only the pastor and two, three really hyper people are running after everybody else. If I say to brother, would you, like, would you like to be part of our family? He's going to look at you. And if you're avoiding him, then he's not going to buy what I'm saying. And then the problem is they'll all come to me. Because I'm the only one smiling at them. Are you getting the problem here? If they see the whole community is like that, and they do, if you want to see the cards, if you want to read the cards, we got, we get positive, mostly positive, and you are already like that. That's why confidently I'm telling you. However, in the home, wherever you are, whether we're meeting in, in larger groups or whether we're meeting in homes, we are to be. So if we have a family mindset, these things will come naturally. Number one, climate of acceptance. Number two, culture of bringing. Number three, commitment to soul care. Number four, a comfortable transition into the church family, personal connection, immediate needs, things like that. And finally, a community emphasis. We are about relationships, we are not about religion. Amen? We are about relationships, we are not about religion. Jesus came to earth from heaven, from the Father, to usher and to choose, what did he say? 
to, to, to bring back to the Father those who He has brought to Him. And never lose them. It's all about people. It's all about relationship. So God has sent Jesus to us. We are going out into the world and it's about relationships. And we do relationships in groups, in families, in couples. We do relationships face to face. So we want to grow larger, which means we want to bring many more people. And I'm going to start Agra and Masuri and, and Pune. And we're going to start, you know, our gatherings all over the place. Same message, different people. Why? Because it's the people that are the reason why people will stay. It's my message and the reason they'll come. But it's the people. It's because of you that people will stay. Because of the love and care that they feel from Jesus through you. So we emphasize community and relationships. Is this just theory? Or is this going to become practice? Is your heart telling you, I, I'll step in, I'll step in. Don't worry about your personality. God will not expect you to do something that your personality has not been designed to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, God is not, I love that. That's why we call it shape. S-H-A-P-E. S is for spiritual gifts. H is for heart. God has given you a heart. God has given you abilities. A. P for personality. And E for experiences. That God takes your personality into the mix and God does not expect you to do what Pastor Jeremy's personality does. Are you with me? Totally, you are just perfectly made for your ministry. Now here's the good news. Kenny, if you are kind of like a quiet, soft, you know, introvert type guy, there's another fellow just like that. And you are perfect to go meet him. If I go meet him, he will run away. He will never come back. But if you meet him, some sense of sanity will prevail. And he will come back. Are you with me? So when everybody just 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 go look for who's like me. Who's as quiet as me? Who looks as messed up as me? And just go and talk to them. You know? It can't be that nobody's like you. Nobody's as messed up as you. So do that. And don't let any that's why we put chai and we put all sorts of old stale snacks out. So that you let us stick around and just kind of take. So key, key uh, time is 15 minutes before the service and 15-20 minutes after the key time. To show the difference that we are not a religious service, we are not a service, come to the service, go on the service. Those are what we call prime time. That's when we really prove who we are when we get connected. I see people, couples just sitting, uh, not sitting, sitting outside and they are talking to each other over lunch. She's feeding him, he's feeding her, and it's like a date. And I'm like, why isn't anybody talking to you? No, nobody wants to, we can't be like that. We're not like that in our workplace. We're not like that in our social. Go to a party, you definitely don't do that. You know, you don't take your little thing and you don't do that. Why do we do that in church? What are we scared of? What are we scared of? True love casts out all fear. So it's a love problem. It's a love problem. A community emphasis. We are about community. Alright, let's let's close this up. So, larger and smaller at the same time. Small groups, meaningful, caring relationships, face-to-face, -face, serving opportunities, looking into each other's lives and being available for each other. Current life needs to become a place of healing, a place of new beginnings, a place of real relationships, a place of genuine worship. Take a moment to be quiet in God's presence. This is not just a sermon I threw together. These are three areas of our life that I actually want to see renewal. Why? We're already doing well, we want to do better. I'm not saying you're not doing it. I'm saying you're doing it well, we want to do better. That's what renewal means. What is God saying to you? Which part of this is God wanting you to get involved in? Is it that you don't have a heart for those who are far from God? Is it that you don't know how to deal with people who are broken or messed up? Is it that you don't know what to do with new people or you don't, don't, don't have the guts to bring people to church? Which area do you need God's strength in? Where do you need God to vitalize you, revitalize you and bring about revival? With every head bowed and every eye closed, before we go into worship, just take a moment.